yeah. got a whole variety of different uh, questions that have yeah. come through, but we also welcome other questions. Everyone's going to be at different stages in their parenting. So just get a, a rough idea. You can just put your hand up so then we can see you. How many of you, you got toddlers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How many have you got primary age kids? Okay. Um, just checking to see if when the couples together, whether they got putting their hand up at the same time. <laughs> well, they might have some primary, some secondary, some toddlers. Some people toddlers. don't know if they've got the same age children. <laughs> um, and then a teenage children. Right. Okay. And so as you can imagine, trying to cater for everyone's uh, you know, unique challenges that they're facing, we're going to be trying to be as broad as possible, yeah. but we're happy to answer specific questions. So as we said, you can actually write us a note and you just send it to Brett and Kate and no one's going to be the wiser about your challenge. And it might not even be you. It might be just your neighbor yeah. that you've heard that they're That's having right. this problem and you're going to get them some information to help them navigate some of their um, issues. Issues. Yeah. yeah. Issues. Um, but one of the things that at, as your role as parents, especially parents who have got a faith and active faith, um, your role as a parent is to nurture them and to allow them to grow and develop, not only in their character, but in their understanding of who God is. But all of that comes down with relationship. Um, Deuteronomy chapter six, which was mentioned on the weekend, obviously with the friars talking about them, uh, how to uh, instill faith in the journey. And, mm. and it talks about impressing upon your children. And so children are going to glean a lot from you and how you do life, everything they're observing, um, even the good and the not so good, they're gleaning from you. So being a role model in every aspect of your life is uh, so vitally important. And you're molding and shaping them to be the, the men and women that God has called them to be. And finding out what the unique gifts are and their talents and their uh, temperament and all these things, you're shaping and molding them in all areas of their life. Yeah, your children are, um, their temperament's set. So we have to be very careful that we don't try and make them something they're not. <laughs> it can be tempting, you know, if we're an extrovert and then we have an introvert child and we go, what is wrong with them? <laughs> Why aren't they out there making friends and bubbly or in the drama club or playing sport with a whole big team? And why aren't they doing that? And we need to force them to make friends. We need to, you know, and we've got to be really careful that they've been hardwired that way. And whilst we encourage them to be involved in things, it's for them to thrive, we have to find the areas that are really going to make them tick. Uh, because... If you try and force a little person or even an older person down a path that they're not hardwired for, anxiety is what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, it really creates a very anxious or stressed child. And anxiety is a very big issue in it children is. today, far greater than when we were growing up. And, uh, and the issues that are related to that um, uh, have a ripple effect on their education and learning abilities how they socialize, their self-esteem, self-worth, the, the ripple effect of uh, a child dealing with anxiety and uh, feeling like clingy with their mom or dad and, and not able to live their normal life. Yeah. And um, so you don't want to um, enhance that. You want to build them up so they can be confident in who they are in Christ. And how do you work that out? Well, the, the way we went about it, um, oh, we should say that we've got three yeah. 
sons, adult sons, adult sons and, and one a, of them is married and we've got a grandson. Yeah. So that's very exciting. And we're going to be looking after him tomorrow for the, for the morning. So we're yeah. really looking forward to that. But one of the ways that we went about kind of working what made them tick is we offered different activities. So we knew that they loved reading. Okay. All of them loved reading in different ways. One son loved statistics. You know, that was weird. Um, one loved novels and one loved reading textbooky things and novels. And it was like... And also Ripley's Believe It or Not. Yes. Uh, uh, and trivia and world records. And he just has this incredible gift for remembering random Facts. thoughts. So our we wanted to give them... One of the things that we really want to give our children is a love for learning. And so we have to work out how do they learn? And so reading was one of them. For us, sport was going to be, we were very fortunate that they all love sport. Yeah. Um, me being a sport teacher and Brett was quite competitive and played sport. And so we were a very kind of sporty family, but that didn't mean that it stopped them from doing other things. So whilst one was super sporty and, you know, represented Australia in a sport, one was loving music. So we offered them all music. Well, not you everyone know, took. No, not, not all of them took. <laughs> one went, I'll try guitar, six weeks. I'll try piano, six weeks. I'll try tennis, six weeks. It became the six-week joke um, because... <laughs> we didn't allow him to uh, quit until after the, the first season week. <laughs> after the first week. That was yeah. not... We had to allow them to persist with it. Yeah, you have to. We never let our kids make rash decisions because there are always consequences when you make rash decisions. And it's, it tends to be very emotive yeah. um, rather than well thought through. And we're trying to teach our children to make wise decisions uh, rather than um, just quick off the cuff. Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, yeah It's boring, boring. Yeah. And the... The reason with the, with the music, our second son, well, the first son played piano, but the second son decided he wanted to play sax. Okay. So, you know, we're thinking, oh gosh, thousands of dollars for a saxophone. How long is this going to last for? Mm. <laughs> and so we said to him, um, if you still want to play the saxophone in six months, he was eight at the time. Yeah. If you still want to play saxophone in six months time, then we will give you lessons. So first of all, we had to find out whether his hands would fit on a saxophone, you know, his little tiny hands. Um, but what actually happened was every single day for six months, I have to play like this guy. I am going to play the saxophone like this guy. And so it was hardwired into him. So from that minute on and from learning the saxophone, he learned the saxophone, the trumpet, the guitar, the piano. It just went on and on. He writes, he produces. He, and, and so it was like it was in him. And so if we don't give them opportunities to test the waters to see what is actually hardwired in our child, then we miss that. We can miss that boat. But I'd also and encourage so people to... not to give children too many activities. Yes. Sometimes life can be so busy and we don't allow, allow our kids just to be kids. Yeah. Um, you can get so busy doing lots of different activities, different sports, music, um, if you're tutoring them, uh, swimming. Uh, there's just so many different things that kids can get involved with. And sometimes kids just want to be kids. Yeah. They may like it and, it and you have to be very careful. Are you um, encouraging them to do something because you like it 
and they're not yeah. a fan. And so you can live vicariously through your kids. So that's something else to be aware of. But just finding out what they're interested in and, and, and encouraging them to pursue that as best you can yeah. helps shape them and their self-worth and their self-esteem. Yeah. It can be tied up with that. And we've found that to be very effective. But every child's different. And we know that many children today um, don't take as many risks as you and I did. When we were growing up, we'd take lots of risks. But children today are a little bit more fearful. They're a little bit more reserved because they're fearful. If they can't be perfect, why try? Mm. And especially if you've got a child who's the, that type of personality, the perfectionist kid. Can I see a wave of any kids that are, any parents have got perfectionist kids? Uh, no. Yeah. Yep, a few. Yep. A yeah, number uh, of yeah. them. And, that, and that's another area just to be aware of. And we hopefully this is helpful. We can do lots of different talks and different uh, go on different tangents, yeah. but we thought we'd establish this. And, and part of your role as a parent is to be a parent. Uh, many people dip into the fact is I want my child to like me. Well, your kid is going to have lots of friends. So don't try and be their friend, be their parent first. And as a result of being a good parent, they will then in turn become friends. And we yeah. know that we enjoy our uh, adult children's company as friends, but we've been very um, intentional being their parent. And it's a, it's a balance of being firm, fair and fun and keeping that as part of paramount in the way that we did our parenting building relationship because everything you do is comes out of relationship it's all very well to tell your kids what to do but if it's done in a firm way or an angry way or just doing it because this is what i told you um you're going to get a very hesitant or a very fear orientated relationship with your children and having said that it may actually be that we need be, to be better informed about how to do parenting. Because often you may have been brought up in one way of parenting. And if you're doing this together, um, you know, it makes it a, a challenge because you want to get mum and dad to be on the same page. Yeah. But if you're doing it solo, our hat goes off to you. It's a tough gig being a single parent. Having said that, when you were parented as a child, you were gleaning different things. You're absorbing how to do life. Um, we talk about family of origin as a very important aspect of how you develop life skills. Mm. And you will role model a certain way. And even if you said things like, I'll never be like my mum," or I'll never be like my dad, unless you make the intentional decision to change the patterns of behavior, of anger or in frustration or the way that they were you were disciplined, and you may have not liked it, but unless you make an intentional decision, you'll tend to default to the things that you're familiar with. And so I would encourage you to be, do a bit of an audit on the way that you were parented and both your husband and your, and your wife to look at, hey, what did we like? What are the good things out of our parenting? And what are the things that we don't want to replicate? And make a, an intentional decision because what you want to do is you're creating and shaping and molding these little humans to become big humans. And what type of young adult are they going to become and i have to say that can be seen to be very short-sighted because i've been reading a, uh, an article in the podcast to actually look at the end game meaning what type of young adult you're um they're going to become but what type of parent they're going to become and basically they're raising your future grandchildren so that's all the, the long-term goals that you're actually setting and so that's the reason why you being here this evening is so encouraging that you want to 
um, do parenting well and do that as most effectively. And it, it, there's a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of difficulties, a lot of hurdles and obstacles. And so we would like to help navigate some of those complexities and talk in the area of maybe discipline. Because one of the questions was, what do you do with a naughty or behaving a, a, a naughty child? And I'd have to say, it's not a naughty child. They're just choosing unwisely. Yeah. Parenting, I think sometimes we can fall into a trap um, thinking that our children can be a bit of an annoyance to our lives, particularly if they're on a bad day. Um, but parenting is a privilege. God yeah. has entrusted us with the next generation. And so we do have a job to do. And I get blown away that God entrusted, you know, for us, our three sons to us. Yeah. Because I think to myself, as a, a husband and wife, we, we have to prepare them for their Journey. job, yeah. you know, because God's got a plan and purpose for their lives. And we have to do the best possible job with him um, to produce very... Um, capable, full of character, young men that God can use. And that, I'm not talking about perfect kids. We're not perfect, so we're not going to produce perfect kids. They're going to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. Um, but I'm talking about young men that are going to, or, you know, girls for you guys, and um, these young people so that they can walk their journey and be prepared. Uh, and so it's a real privilege and if we can see these little ones um, as precious in our hand, when we parent, it's going to be a different approach from, Just oh, my by. goodness, go to your room, get out of my face. <laughs> um, it's, it, you get past that and it's more about, okay, this is a, this is a teachable moment. Everything's a teachable Everything moment. Everything is every a teachable opportunity, moment. every behavior, every response or reaction yeah. the kids have got. And also they're observing you, how you cope with stress yeah. and how you cope when things aren't going so well. Yeah, so we're learning things it's, too. It's from... a teachable moment. Everything has a teachable moment. So any kind of a, a behavior that's not right, you go, well, you know, let's talk about that. As they get a bit older, it's, you know, it, it's not okay yeah. to kick your brother or scream at me, that, that those behaviours are not okay. And then talk about why. Um, because they're smarter than you think. Yeah. <laughs> Even little tiny ones, they know when they're being defiant. Um, so those behaviours kind of need to be rectified. And they will push the boundaries, like we as adults can push the boundaries. Yeah. And uh, we need to make sure what are our boundaries? What are the things are the non-negotiables in your household. And in our, when bringing up, it, it's always been respect. Uh, it's always been honesty. And those two things have all been a non-negotiable, that yeah. they, they don't lie and they don't treat their brothers or, or us, as a matter of fact, uh, with any disrespect. And if they do, that's a, that's a we'll get onto that. And but there's other things look, you can let through to go a, to the keeper. A story even, you know, of recent days, um, because one of the boys decided they'd speak fairly rudely to me. And um, Brett, I actually rang Brett and spoke to him. And then he spoke to our, one of our sons. And one of the other sons said, oh, what happened? And I said, oh, well, I was spoken rudely to. And they go, 
Well, they, they wanted to take their life in their hands. That's the one thing dad will not tolerate and that is disrespect to you. And so they learned very quickly that, that that's a no-go zone. Um, speaking to mum rudely or dad rudely and backing each other on that, that mm. it's, just, it's just a no-go zone. Um, and so you're supporting each other in that, that they learn to respect authority um, very quickly, that you honour authority. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about was when disciplining, particularly when they're little and even, you know, in primary school, we would send our children to our room. Now, that was more for the fact that if we're angry about something, we don't discipline in anger. Mm. You should never discipline in anger because they don't see what you're actually talking about. They just see the anger and they're scared. So if you're angry, you send them to their room. Then we would go in, we would explain why we were there. Do you remember what you did? And until, until they, you know, they acknowledge what they did. Yeah. So you sit there talking about it until they actually get to the point of acknowledging. Um, then they would be disciplined and then we would pray. Now, that would be, first of all, there'd be an apology. If they were rude to me, there would be an apology. If they were rude to their siblings, there would be an apology. But that we also, because we have a faith, we would do an apology to God as well um, because we're taking attitudes that he doesn't like. And so we would talk about that and we would pray and we'd ask God to forgive yeah. us um, for, the, for what had happened. And then nine times out of ten, they'd say, can we go out and play now? And, you know, can we go play a game now? You know, just the, the two of us or whatever. And I go, oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Once the discipline's done, it's done. Yeah. It's gone. It's forgotten. Um, once the apologies have been done, once the repentant heart has happened, we have to let our little ones move on because in about five minutes there could be another thing. So let's not store them up. Um, it has to be forgive, forget, move on. And it's important to know that discipline is what you do for a child. It's not to them. And a lot of that differentiating between that, it's just a language. It's a, it it's a small word, but you're doing it for them. And, and at times it is a relentless and it's a thankless role <laughs> yeah. and you need to be persistent and, and persevere yeah. and consistent because a kid will look for the path of least resistance. If they find a little chink in the armor, they will run it. And that's the reason why it's so important to have mum and dad on the same page if you are doing this together if you're doing it solo that there is one benefit that because you're the only voice of authority but if you're doing it together you don't want to have a good cop bad cop scenario yeah. and so that's the reason why establishing your upbringing the way that you're brought up in your tribe your family of origin talking about what are our boundaries what are our um, distinctives in our family and, and there's so many different things you can talk about but it's what you do for them yeah. is what is the benefit and you're helping and shaping them and it, it's not about being the disciplinarian it's actually you are a, a, a bit like um, the the clay maker you're molding them and shaping them to be all that God has for them I love um, Hebrews 12 11 no discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Yeah. So that is our aim. You know, we're, we're trying to build character in our children um, for, their, for their future good. I mean, it, 
for them, for us to step back and, you know, out of our parenting role and leave it to say the school or the church or whatever, mm. it's um, we abdicating that role can be a dangerous thing. Uh, it's really important that we step up uh, and it can be uncomfortable. Our kids don't, don't like it. And a lot of times they don't like us. Um, we if they like you all the time, you're probably doing, doing something, something wrong. wrong. <laughs> um, we never let our kids say, I hate you. Um, or shut up. Yeah, or, any of that. We're being very careful with our language. And, but, and you create the tone of what you tolerate. And if you ignore it, they will get, they'll continue doing that behavior. Yeah. So you have to establish what type of language, what type of tone, attitudes, you're shaping that. And if you, as example, if you say, stop yelling, and you're yelling, it's, it's sending a mixed message. Yeah. yeah. So you have to control the way that you speak and the way that you act and, and way that you think because they're going to observe those behaviors. And so the best thing you can do, and this is something that we talk about often, is learning to respond, not react. Yeah which means you're controlling the narrative, you're controlling the volume, the tone, because as soon as you react, you lose control. But if you're responding and you can actually talk about it in a nice tone, that's when you discipline for the child, not to the child. Is there anything that anyone wants to say? We've got a few things. No, good. Okay. Um, just to coming up through, um, well, I'll go through a couple of other questions and I'll get to that one. Someone was talking about the discipline, the naughty child. The, the and, directly and defiant the child. Defiant. What you're doing is you're trying to, they're trying to find out where they fit into the world. It doesn't matter what age or stage. We often talk about going from, um, you know, primary age to the secondary school and, uh, and we talk about um, individualization. It's, it's a development of where they're trying to fit into the world. And it usually happened between uh, 12 and 13. That was traditional. We're finding that that is now blurring into younger and yeah. younger ages and even into, uh, you know, kindergarten and early primary that they're just trying to fit into the world. Where, where do I, uh, where does my uh, role fit? And they're pushing the boundaries. They're trying to find out and establish those things. We call that individualization. And often when they're going through the teenage years, it's saying, back off, mum and dad, I've got this. They may not necessarily articulate that, although it feels like it, but even younger and younger children are trying to uh, find out, and I can do it myself. You know, sometimes you have to actually take off the control and allow them to learn because they do so much, so far more development of learning through their errors and their mistakes and their choices than they do their successes. So natural consequences come into that. So if you're, the amount of time and responsibility you give a child or the amount of independence you give a child is how do they handle that? Yeah. Sometimes we can give them a job to do and just watch. Um, they might say, oh, I want to do this. Well, if you're able to do that responsibly and then just stand back and just see how they handle that. And uh, if they don't do well, then you need to talk about that and say, look, I don't think you're ready for that because mm. we've talked about this and these were the expectations if you chose that. Um, and so we have to be really careful that we're very age appropriate um, for responsibilities. And as they are able to do certain things um, and they're capable of being trusted 
with certain things. That's when their independence gets increased. And that's, and that's when dealing with a child that's making unwise choices. Yeah. Sometimes it's maybe because they're bored. They're trying to find out where they fit into the world, as I said. And they're finding out, do you trust me? And the more trust that you give a child, especially with behaviours that uh, are contrary to the values in your household, you can talk about that and say, is that the type of language that we use? Or is that the type of behaviour that you would like? And I know it can be feel like you're a broken record at times, but you have to catch them doing the right things. Yeah. Not always catching them doing all the negative things because you're always, if you can imagine if you as an employee and your boss kept on, on you all the time for everything that you did wrong, it would not be a, a, a happy environment. The same thing with your children. It may be feeling that your kid is always, or it seems to be, always misbehaving, but you catch a child doing something positive, so the way that they treated their siblings, the way they helped around the household, um, the way that they restrained themselves, especially if they normally were hitting and you say, hey, I really commend you. I, I, I'm, I'm really proud of the way that you didn't lash out or you didn't speak uh, loudly or, or back at me. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. It's amazing what that does to a child's self-esteem and self-worth when you catch them doing the right thing, not always catching them doing the wrong thing. And that is hard work and it is tough and it is relentless. But if you do that more on a more frequent basis, children actually rise to the occasion more often than not. But if we're frustrated and we act out with our words, they'll keep on doing it because sometimes they just want to press your buttons. They do it with their siblings and they do it to mum and dad. Um, so that sort of addresses that. We can give you some more articles and we'd encourage you to send us an email and we'll be more than happy to give you particular articles or podcasts on these issues so you can get better informed on different issues. There may be also um, attention seeking. So yeah. if, if there's more than one child or there might be three children or whatever and one of them is feeling that they're a bit left out yeah, that's so, or not getting, that's, enough, this is so true. Not, not getting enough attention. Uh, we really encourage dating your children um, just so that they know that they are going to have your undivided attention at some point. Yeah. So you look forward to that. Um, you talk about that. You plan that. And they um, enjoy it and, so much. They'll it, remember it. It can remove that real attention-seeking behaviour because it's something that, okay, this week, you know, Johnny is going to go out with dad. Next week, Mark is going out with mum. And, you know, what's your date going to look like? And then you can all come back and you can talk about, you know, what you did on your date. I mean, our boys still remember what we did when they were in primary school and we took them yeah. on dates. And that's sometimes the reason why some kids act out and it may seem to be naughty behaviour. But in actual fact, they're just... It's a language. They, they don't know how to articulate their frustration. Yeah. So they act out because any attention is often good attention. It's something. Yeah. I, I'm being noticed. And, uh, and that's the reason why we want to catch them doing the right thing. But that's so, that, that little thing alone yeah. could actually save you, giving them some undivided attention. And it is so difficult when you've got multiple children and there's so many different things. For sure. um, but they will look forward to it. And it doesn't have to be expensive. No. You don't have to spend much time either with time or resources. But just that little thing, maybe going to kick a soccer ball, just mum and, 
and the child or dad with the child. And those little things I'll look forward to yeah. immeasurably. And, and then you can talk about them no matter what age they can, they, you can say, so what, what are you thinking about? And I, I noticed you're a bit frustrated and, and you were, you know, you hit your brother or you hit your sister. You know, tell me a little bit about why you did that and how that makes you feel. And it's amazing. They might share something that because of life's busyness, they haven't been heard and they haven't been validated for their experiences. And so that's a, a, a vitally uh, important aspect of children being listened to and validated for their experiences, not being dismissed and saying, snap out of it or, you know, uh, you know behave yourself, but really saying, hey, there's something going on. There's, there's something that's not quite right. Help me understand what's going on in your child, in, in your world. Yeah, so they need a bit of a narrative. Um, sometimes they can't express it, but as you ask more questions, you can, of, you can often get to the bottom of why they reacted the way they did. Yeah. And it really has nothing, of course, to do with a brother or a sister. It has to do with something that's happened elsewhere or how they were feeling yeah. about something and they didn't know how to express it, so it came out another way. Um, sometimes it can just be purely selfish behaviour. They've got that toy and I want it. Yeah. Um, and but, most kids do. It's yeah. all about them anyway. We're, we're, we're hardwired to be self-centred, even yeah. from a baby. We're, we're hardwired that way. Yeah. So we have to teach them different skills like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, another question that came through was about talking about competitiveness. And, and <laughs> uh, it's not just a boy thing. There's many girls that are competitive. Any girls out there who are competitive? There's a few there. <laughs> Good. Excellent. And... Uh, uh, Kate's fiercely competitive. I am. Um, and man, if she doesn't win a game, oh. man, I am in big trouble. Not true. <laughs> that is not true. Well, the boys are in big trouble, whatever it is. But yeah. um, competitiveness is is can be a good thing. Yeah. And 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 not to belittle and think, well, competitiveness it's bad and it's not, it's not biblical because everyone should be loved and everyone should be cared for. There's winners and losers, losers in life. And so when I talk about winners and losers, you have to encourage your children to be good winners and also have to good teach losers. them how to be good losers. And in life, not everyone's going to be first and uh, sometimes they're going to be last, but how do you deal with those, those times? And family really is the best place to learn all this. It's the stamping ground or stomping ground, whatever you want to call it, for so many things that they're going to have to face yeah. once they get out in school, in jobs, etc. And so if you can teach them to be a good winner and a good loser, it, it prepares them for anything they're going to face. Yeah. Uh, because that's reality. People are going to be put ahead of them. People are, you know, and so they have to be able to go, oh, that's fantastic. I'm so glad you got, you know, good on you for winning. Or, you know, you want them to celebrate other people, not just themselves. Yeah. And, and go, that's, yay and that's, to and me. That's an ongoing <laughs> saga and, and conversation you have to have because, I mean, it's interesting now in a lot of junior sports, oh, yeah. they don't keep scores and everyone wins the winner. trophy. Everyone gets the certificate and laminate it and, and we celebrate mediocrity. That's <laughs> Every kid keeps the score in their head. Everyone knows And that. all the parents keep the score in their head. It's just, it, it's what they're trying to do is just, it's backfiring. Yeah, it's not working uh, because, you know, everyone wins a trophy. So why try, why try my best? <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's another topic. That's for another time. But we say all of that because one of the things about competition is 
you can actually harness it. We yeah. did it with our boys. You know, we did it. Um, who could who could be the quickest in cleaning their rooms? Now, obviously, sometimes you would think that they just do a, a lick and a promise, and that was what it is. But we but did the white gloves. We we actually got it. <laughs> they were very competitive, so it actually worked for us at it sometimes. Um, but we also, you know, knowing that. You know, I used to win every competition when it came to sport, but eventually as the boys got bigger, I didn't win so often. But I had to learn how to be a good loser as well and role model that. And, and sometimes parents uh, allow their children to, you know, win Monopoly or win Uno. I would encourage you to win a few games from time to time because yeah. that's the teaching moment. Uh, don't allow them to win every time and don't give in because that's a, a time when they could... Um, do use those uh learn those valuable life skills now i have to say that if you are one of those very competitive parents and you annihilate them and you <laughs> eviscerate them playing <laughs> monopoly um that's not good either <laughs> you know that's not healthy but one thing that i was uh want to mention before about a child wanting attention or um or, or doing naughty behavior or choosing naughty behavior um Often they're seeking attention, but on the flip side, you can't give your kids undivided attention. Yeah. They have to learn that mum and dad, we're a unit and we have to harness our relationship and our kids are a second. If the children become the center of your universe and every energy goes towards your kids, you're setting them up for failure and you're setting up your relationship for failure because when you neglect this relationship yeah. and you put all your energies your, into your kids, your kids are going to be the me monster. It's all about me and that's not healthy either. Yeah, but they become, can become very demanding of your time and your attention and want it straight away. I mean, we have to set up, of course, you know, as we're getting older, delayed gratification. That's what we're trying to teach our children yeah. is delayed gratification so that as they grow and mature, they understand that not everything they want, they're going to get. Uh, and yeah. so we have to prepare them for that. And, you know, when they're in school and they go, I wanna go outside and play now, I'm sick of learning. Well, the teacher doesn't go, oh, honey, okay, well, you just go outside and have a play. The rest of the kids will stay here and do this. That's not the way it works. No. no. In 25 minutes, we'll all go out to recess, delayed gratification. So we have to teach them that. That's part of what we have to do to train them, um, ready and prepare them for school and then, of course, for adulthood. Yeah. Because you don't just always... I mean, if, let's face it, I want a Mars bar for breakfast. Well, no, you're not having a Mars bar for breakfast, but I want one. Well, it's not good for you, but and, I still want one. And this is that consistency. If <laughs> I keep on actually asking, say, can I have a Mars bar for breakfast? And you say, no. Can I have a Mars bar for breakfast? No. Can I have a Mars bar for breakfast? No. Can I have a Mars bar? <laughs> oh, okay. Have a Mars bar. They're going to go, great. If I keep on nagging enough, I'll get what I want. Yeah. And that's not a good trade either. So it's sort of a whose will's going to break and it's not yours. It's yeah. their will. Um, so talking about shaping them and, and a nice good segue going from um, what we're talking about of the competition and preparing them for life is another question that came through is um, how early is it to develop that independence? 
And someone actually asked about whether it's an eight-year-old. How do you how do you shape their independence? Every child's different. It's not just an age. It's a maturity level because some kids can think that they're much more mature than others. I've met some 18-year-olds that aren't very mature. Mm. And I've met some 12-year-olds that are incredibly mature. So it's not an age, yeah. but it's as their maturity and understanding of the consequences of their choices. And, uh, and so I would encourage you to give and allow your children a level of independence because as you uh, give them trust that you say, hey, I trust you with this, they take that responsibility um, seriously. But if they do break or they um, a curfew or, or something that you agreed upon and they have to face the consequences of breaking that choice, you remove that little bit of trust and say, look, you said last time you were going to do A, B and C, but you didn't do it. So how can I trust you next time? You're going to have to earn that trust again. And that, that's something for a child is, is very valuable to them. So I would encourage a little bit of independence and that it depends on the question that came through. It doesn't elaborate, you know, is that meaning well, are they allowed to walk to school by themselves? It might be, yes, I will allow you to walk to school by yourself, but for a while, I'm going to be following you maybe a hundred meters behind you. And so you can keep an eye on them. You are releasing them into the big bad world. You're observing them, but you're actually giving them a little bit of independence. They're going to take that seriously. And eventually they will actually know how to get to school by themselves and you don't have to walk with them as closely behind. Yeah. And things like, uh, I suppose, playing a game on, you know. The internet. Computer, not computer the internet, games. but computer, let's just say. And you say you can have 20 minutes. And then after 20 minutes, you go in and you've set a timer. After 20 minutes, you go in there and they're still on there, even though the time has gone off. And you say, well, see, here's the thing. We had an agreement that you would be on there for 20 minutes. When the timer went off, you would come off. Now, oh, I just want to finish this. Mm. Well, no, because the agreement was. <laughs> and so you have to keep going back. I gave you the 20 minutes. We had a discussion about I it. I trusted you. you with the 20 minutes. And if they defy that, then you go, oh, okay, well, I'm going to have to take it back to 10, you know? So, and when they learn to, to be obedient with the 10, you then you, yeah, then you can stretch it to the 15. Okay, that's great, you know? You, you followed that through with the 10 again, that's wonderful. All right, we'll give you 15 next time. And if they're obedient with that, if they're not, you take it back to the 10. And so you have to keep giving little incremental steps so that they know that you're watching, but you want to give them, you want to give them the independence. But if they choose not to be trustworthy, then it's going to be withdrawn. And step-by-step step yeah. things like that. And that's really important. Another person had a question. They've got uh, two children, um, uh, young kids. How do I facilitate sharing and playing together when the younger one's version of playing is just destroying everything the older <laughs> one is making, building or playing with? That's Should I be removing the, the younger one away to help the older one? Or is that not facilitating sharing and playing together? Or telling the older one they are little, they don't understand, but when the younger one gets away with it, wrecking the stuff. Yeah, it makes, um, them, it makes the old Welcome one. to parenthood. Uh, this is, I mean, this may not be related to this. Many people might be able to relate to this, but learning to cooperate and share with one another is a valuable life lesson again. Yeah. And, and it might be that the younger one is frustrated because they can't do as much. Again, giving them some attention, but, you know, it shouldn't be uh, to the, the frustration and to the... Um, 
the annoyance of the older sibling that they miss out because the younger one is spoiling their fun. Yeah, there's a couple of ways you can actually do that. Um, sometimes it means the older one gets to play somewhere else. They get, get to be where they can build without the younger one yeah, tearing Have a little apart. bit of independence themselves Yeah, a little, little bit privacy. of time on their own, whether that's in their room or wherever. You can choose wherever that is. There's another time where if the younger one is continually knocking down, um, if you've got little ones, playpens are a fantastic thing. You either put the kid who's going to be building inside the playpen so that their thing doesn't get knocked over, or you put the little one in the playpen and you give them something to build with. Um, and as part of the fun, you kind of say to your older one, okay, you're going to play together now. Build something for the little one to knock over. And so that kind of becomes then this sharing, collaborative, they're building, they're tearing down. And so you say, they're going to build you this now so you can knock it down. But when they build over there, you're not to touch it. And so they learn what is acceptable and what oh, isn't not. acceptable. It's very good. Very and good. so there, there is a time for everything. And so there's the playing together and one understanding that the little one really, their big thing is to knock it down. So could you build him something to knock down or her? Yeah. Um, but the, uh, the rest of the time, there needs to be a respect that if some, a little one is actually spending a lot of time to make something special, mm. then the other one, the little one isn't to knock that down. That's not yeah. okay. Um, and they need to be spoken to But again, to it may be that. because they just want attention. They just want to spend time with yeah. their, their brother or their sister. They give sister. them their own blocks to, yeah. you know, whether they're the same... You know, let's face it, as they get older, they can have smaller blocks and the little one has the bigger blocks. Um, but there has to be this understanding and there are ways to do it so that they do have their own space. They can be in a playpen, they can be out of the playpen, but then coming together and also playing together. And I think that's important that um, siblings do learn to cooperate yeah. and, uh, and, and work and enjoy each other's company. Yeah. We, we made that a... Priority. A priority that our boys were not only just going to be brothers, but we wanted them to be best mates yeah. as well. So we were very intentional about there was time when they had their friends over, they could, uh, they didn't exclude their brothers. They were included in the activities yeah. and then they had some time with their friends by themselves, but then they'd always come back because we wanted to make sure that the brothers were, were tight yeah. and not feeling excluded. And they're that's not, sometimes they're not replaceable. What, and that's sometimes what happens with a little one just wanting to spend time with their uh, their brother and enjoying that. And the only language they have is, I'm gonna mess things up. It's not they're not doing it on purpose, they're just doing it to get a reaction yeah, and they want to be part it. of it. They want to be fun. Um, yeah. yeah, part of it. And so just learning the behaviors. We don't do that, you know. And as Kate was sharing, you've got to have allow time that they do build by themselves and it's not going to be interrupted and there's times together. Yeah. Um, we're happy to have many, any other questions or comments um, that there people are dealing with. Um, we're just going to have a sip of water there we go. and, um, and finding out Feel if this is helpful speak, or not. You know. um, people could ask a question, unmute yourself and ask a question. Mm. Or you just can look bored like you are right now. <laughs> Appreciate the, uh, the, the interactions. Here we go. Oh, there's a wave. Yep. <laughs> hey. Um, Thanks, guys. Thank you. Uh, going right back to, I was interested in what you said right back at the start, how you talked about kids have a temperament that is built into them. Yep. Um, and so 
not trying to create them something that they're not. Yep. Um, and we've definitely seen that in our kids. You know, they are wired very differently and, and you've got to be sensitive to that. But I'm just interested then in how you kind of distinguish between allowing them to just be who they are, for want of a better term, but also trying to build that resilience and stretching them into areas where they may not necessarily feel comfortable, but to encourage that step of development and sort of moving not to being willing to step outside your safe space or to grow in skills that they might naturally not be as gifted in. If you know yeah. what I mean. That's a great question. It, it is a great question and it's very valid and it is important to encourage our children to step out of their comfort zones. And not just to accept um, that, oh, they're not that wide. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I think a conversation around it, something not having to be perfect, because I think a child is scared of failing. That, that particularly in this day and age, I don't know why, they, just this pressure to perform or be perfect is somehow inbuilt into all these little people, and I'm not sure why. Um, Oh, we were always happy with the boys just, you know, concentrating on their effort um, rather than, you know, get the results. So, you know, the number of parents who their kids' reports would come home and mm. they'd go, why did you get an A? Why did you get an A on those? But why did you get a B here? Rather than looking at the effort and going, they, they might have got a B, but look at the effort. It was excellent or, or outstanding or the comments. And I think, that's one of the things we have to be really aware of that we don't just focus on the, the outcome of a high result, winning, 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 winning. And that way our kids are more likely to have a go because you concentrate on saying that was such a great effort. I loved it when you, you know, stepped out and you went up to that person maybe when they're not, when, if they're shy, if and, they're shy and you know you've encouraged them to go up to say a new little one at church or whatever you know why don't you go and just say hi and if they do that and you go oh that was so good did you see them smile um or did you see the way they reacted because they wouldn't have felt welcome and so you really encourage them that their first steps out into whatever it is that's not their comfort zone you can encourage them and they go okay you know that wasn't too bad i really you know it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And the fact that you're encouraging them with their effort and being really proud of them for that effort encourages them to do it again and again mm. and even try other things because that, that thing that they did try and you encourage them and you saw the positives in it, then they're like, you know, I might actually try that other thing. You yeah. know, it's, it's not, maybe it's not as scary as I think it is. And if you can do it with them, to start off with, well, why don't we try that together and um, and we can work out how that's going and to That's to a really work. good point. You as parents, they're watching, observing, uh, do you get out of your comfort zone? Because we, as adults, we can stay where we feel comfort, uh, comfortable and, and we don't try and do things that we don't like. And we can and talk about how we feel. It's really important that we talk about how we feel. Mm. Um, some, you know, I was doing something the other day and I said, you know what, I was really nervous about that. But, you know, I actually prayed about it and God brought me a real sense of peace and they need to see that because that's who they're watching yeah. and it's okay to be nervous. It's okay to 
be intrepid about something, but as long as we're brave enough to step into mm. it and that God's going to be with us every step of the way, um, he's not going to leave us hanging. And, and also to say, you know what, I stepped out and it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go and it wasn't great, but that's okay. I've learned. Yeah, I've, I've learned. This is, and then you can talk about what you learned out of that. Um, I was just talking to a friend today about, um, you know, they were saying, oh, I didn't think I was that, that good at it and I, you know, I, I don't like... Felt like fa- a failure. Felt like a failure. And, and I said, gee, if we all quit when we fail, we'd be doing nothing. Mm. And We um, learn and, so f- you know, far much more in our failures than we do in our successions. And, I, you know, I was, I was working at a school... Um, some of you know that school. And uh, I was sports coordinator and we were at a swimming carnival. And of course, I book everything and I sort everything out and I'm running the event. And uh, we've finished the secondaries and we're going to pick up the primaries with the buses, you know, busloads of people. And I've got the head of sport outside going, um, Kate, where are the buses? And I go, <laughs> I booked them and they said, well, we've rung them and they said you booked them for next month. <laughs> Horrible error. And meanwhile, I've got half a school waiting to go back to school. 500 students need to be picked up. Yeah, and 500 take. kids need to be brought back. And I go, I, I, that's not ideal. And um, anyway, God had it all sorted and they rang the company. They happened, happened to have nine bus drivers just sitting there and all the buses and they were five minutes away. Yeah. And, and so I said, I, sh- I share this with, with my kids. We laugh about these kind of things. You know, we step in, we make mistakes. We go, we won't make that mistake again. Um, did we look foolish? Oh, yeah. Did I, was I embarrassed? Okay. Oh, yeah. That's okay. But that's okay because I learned I will never do that again. <laughs> um, I will have those book- buses booked. And another but- thing that I'd encourage you to do is you earn the right to speak into your kids' lives by sharing your own stories. stories. And you could say, hey, when I was 11 or when I was 10, yeah. I tried something um, that I wasn't very comfortable about. And this is how I overcame. And they say, you, mum, you, dad, you did that? Ah, often we just, we put our own head um, as adults yeah. and we have to put it, back as what it looks like through a child's eyes and a child filter. And often when we talk about our stories, we expect them to understand and comprehend from, a, from an adult's point of view. And we have to say, imagine a, a child and they think that this is the biggest thing. And we often, as I said before, we have to validate their experiences that they think that this is the biggest thing and you're going to be, oh, it's all right, snap out of it, it's okay. Because um, we know the end story. Yeah. And <laughs> because we've been say, there, hey, done I that. remember when I was 10 years of age, I had to go and speak in front of the class and I was so nervous. But you know what? I did it and, you know, I felt really proud of myself. But you can and, even talk um, about it and go, oh, I had sweaty palms. Do you have sweaty palms? You know. I had, just... I had turbo moths and, I, you know, I felt really sick in the stomach and, you know, yeah. just like sharing and they go, oh, you were I'm, a child. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm normal for feeling these feelings. Yeah. I'm normal for feeling those, those emotions, those ups and downs. And, yeah. and it, just, it just affirms that they are okay. And, it's, and we often talks about, uh, we talk about it's, it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay not okay. Yeah. And so you can't just do, stay in that position. You need to move forward. Be proactive. And even, at a, even as an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old, 10-year-old, whatever at age, 
you, you can say, hey, I understand it must be really difficult, but getting out of your comfort zone or doing something different, it may not be your you know, cup of tea. You know, they wouldn't use that expression, but it may not be what you normally like, but gee, it'd be worth trying. And, you know, mum or dad, we're going to do something that we don't like as well. And those little things can create a really great teachable moment, but a great memory for you to experience with your children. Yeah. And I think too, when you're um, sharing your stories, look, are the best things. My kids love to laugh at my stories. I mean, there are so many things that I did and uh, you know, dating stories and they're like, Oh gosh, you know, she kissed far too many boys. (laughs) Far too many boys. I go, don't do that's that. Another that's another conversation. That's another conversation. That's a that's a marriage conversation. Um, but you know, I was I used to love to sing, and so I was in this um, musical thing, and I got up and sang. Oh well, it was my turn to sing. However, the person before me sang my lines, and I'm like, oh no, now what do I do? And so then I sang exactly the same lines because I'm like, they're the ones I've learned. And I felt like the biggest idiot and I burst into tears and ran off the stage. And I'm, you know, how old were I? 13 or something. I wanted to die on the spot. But these are stories you tell your kids. You know, this is, this is what happened to me. But did I live? Yeah. Did I ever sing again? Yeah. But in the moment, it felt dreadful. But we have to acknowledge that. And we have to acknowledge that for them. So when it feels like the world should swallow them up because they just did something really embarrassing and everybody was looking at them and everybody's talking about them, when really you say to your kids, actually, you know what? Sharing two people, two people really are thinking important. about you right now mm. because most people are thinking about themselves. Someone else has asked another question. How should you approach it when a child insists on mummy doing it rather than daddy's? And sometimes dads can feel left out. Yeah. You know, it might be doing up their shoes or getting dressed or washing their hair or something, actually. I mean, that's we, not an uncommon thing. And every child's different and may feel an affinity with uh, either daddy or, or mummy, depending on what age and stage. And often it's usually only short-lived. It, it's only for a short period of time. We didn't actually allow it, to be honest. Um, the more a child pushed for that, the more we said, well, daddy's doing it, mummy's got to go do something. And so I would pull away because we didn't want them to play favourites because both parents love their children. And that's just a fact. And so we didn't allow the play one off against the other, um, whether they knew they were doing that or not. Um, But I would say if one of them goes, I want want mummy to wash me in the bath. And I go, oh, well, actually, mummy has to go and hang the washing on the line. Um, Daddy's going to bath you tonight. So have fun. and they and might cry be. for two seconds and then they've forgotten. Yeah. Um, but Again, it's a bit of a battle of the wills. But at the same time, you know, yeah. it may be that they just feel a little bit more. Uh, a lot of children navigate and they feel a connection to mum more than dad at times. And, and as I said, it, it's often only for a short period of time. But you can also talk about, hey, mummy, uh, daddy would really love the opportunity to do this. Yeah. And, just, and you say, hey, we can do something. He wants to do something special with you. And build it up and it's it's not bribery it's actually just it's just sort of encouraging that relationship because it's so vitally important that um dads spend time with the kids and mum spends time with the kids yeah. and doing and sharing the roles and responsibilities well, they, to, they want to build the relationship equally mel did we answer that question that was paul's question that was paul and mel's mm. yeah yeah that was great that was great 
Brilliant question. Popped up in the chat as well, just so you know. All right, still going through. Um, uh, instilling faith in your kids. Deuteronomy yeah. um, chapter six, we've already talked about it, and have it in your own heart, and then impressing upon your children. When you're getting up in the morning, when you're walking down the road, fast forward to the 21st century, when you're driving them to school, when you're driving them to the soccer and swimming lessons, there is always an opportunity to weave a God conversation. And, just, and it's, yeah. it's a lifestyle. And, and, I, and I, I greatly admire, and this may sound a bit controversial to some of you, and I apologize if it does, but... Really? Yeah, just wait for it. <laughs> it's, it's big, it's very important. Um, there are some families that, you know, a, a very uh, regular family devotion happens every day or twice or three times a week, at, you know, come rain, hail or shine. That is fantastic. And we commend people who can do that. But we actually, it didn't work for us. Our lifestyles were very busy. We were very rarely in the same, you know, on the same day all the time. But God was always uppermost in our conversation we were just it was matter of fact well bible reading happened every time before bed that was a normal and prayer every night and prayer during the day it depended what was going on but god for us it was like he was a member of our family and he was the most important member of our family so it just came so, up in our conversation yeah, and it, it wasn't was it wasn't a thou shalt say god said this no. It was just like, what do you think God would say about this? Or what do you think, you know, yeah. look at God's creation and, and amazing. And it just came up in a, a, a normal aspect of our conversation every day. It was an part of our everyday life. And we also need to role model our, our love for the church, our love for serving in the church, our love for people of the church. And we're also very mindful that we never criticize the church in front of the kids. Uh, especially if, you know, they had a message from a guy named Shabu or something and would say, like, could you imagine what his message was like and, and, and critique it and, and, and poke holes in it. We didn't do that. Um, we wanted to... Um, preach it, brother, all, preach it. Yeah. We wanted to <laughs> yeah. affirm the church and, and not belittle it. And often we can become, you know, um, keyboard warriors or just, you know, cri uh, critics yeah. After church, oh, I didn't really feel the praise and worship. It wasn't really for me. And our kids are hearing this. That is not helpful. Yeah. Um, we, and I'll, I'll encourage you, you know, the more that you fall in love with the church, they're watching, observing, and, and you need to role model this as well, how you include God in your everyday life. How much does he part of it? And the kids are watching, observing, because they'll smell a hypocrite a mile away. And one of the things that, let, let's say, you know, you get the prayer newsletter, um, if, you know, if you're from Canterbury Gardens, <coughs> pardon me, um, or you hear that somebody's sick or whatever, and we used to say to our kids, oh, I've just heard such and such is unwell. Why don't we stop and pray for them? And so it becomes almost the the instantaneous thing and the very first thing you do is bring it to God. Yeah. Um, you don't go, well, let's just sit down and talk about that. Um, you know, what are we going to be able to do? Seriously, apart from let's take them a meal. Um, but it's let's bring it to God. He's the one who can do something. Yeah. And it's the same thing. <laughs> if you've got a headache, for example, and the first thing you do, I need to get a Panadol. You, you're going to 
medications before God. <coughs> now you might still need to take a Panadol, that may help later on, but we can say, mummy's got a headache at the moment or daddy's got a headache at the moment. Will could you, you pray could about you pray that? for me? And the prayers of a child, it's so oh. precious. And, uh, and so just, and, and so the, the boys, our boys would see us praying for one another and we would include him on every aspect. And so faith has been an everyday aspect of our lives yeah. and it's real, authentic and genuine. And the more that they can see it being genuine, they associate God and their experience at church. And so if church is a positive experience and it's authentic and real that's associated with God, um, how they see God. And that's the same thing. You, your relationship or your home life is a glimpse of who God is. It's the first glimpse, mm. how you care for them and love them and, and um, discipline. discipline them out of love, yeah. what you're doing for them is all these things combined together. And it's a healthy relationship with a vertical relationship with God will help the horizontal relationship with them and with one another. Um, Anybody else got a... Does anyone else want to put a hand up and ask a question that they might allegedly know somebody else is going through this issue? We can keep on talking for a while or we can actually close <laughs> at any time um, anyone's falling asleep. Kobe, are you falling asleep there? Just checking, just making sure. Yeah. <laughs> She's looking a bit too comfortable there. Yeah, she's looking and, uh, very comfy yeah. there. So are there any other questions or comments that you'd like for us? Because we cover? can start talking about other things. <laughs> going, going. <laughs> oh, is that in the mood? Oh. I thought no, Sam. I was, I thought I was Sam just going to say, just so that, so that people are aware, maybe uh, another five, 10 minutes or so for NK. Okay. Do you, want us to, do you want us to waffle on for another 10 minutes? Well, if you want to. You don't have to. I know you, got, I know you, you guys are coughing and sliding. Sorry. <laughs> you swallowed a fly. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a dangerous thing to do in this time and age. But anyway, um, keep... <laughs> well, one of the things that I mentioned earlier... That oh, wait. There's a wave. There's a wave. Wait, there's a wave. Oh, no. Oh, no. Like, yes. Uh, uh, um, with the... What was it? Fun, fair and... Firm. Yeah. Um, what do you do to kind of keep that in balance? Because one of the things that I've kind of just become aware with in my own parenting lately is that I've probably been a bit too strong on the firm side of things. Um, how do you, what do you guys kind of do to keep in check and try and keep all those things well balanced? Well, thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing that because there'll be other people who relate to that. <laughs> yeah, they would. And, uh, so thank you so much for asking that question. Um, I think... We get so used to being firm because when they're little, they do tend to just stumble into things. And uh, so you spend a lot of time correcting them. Um, but I think we have to recognise the difference between childish behaviour and defiance. Yeah. Because there's a lot of childish behavior as in it's appropriate for their age and they're just going to do it yeah and it's not intentional it's not going i'm breaking these rules um it's just little people behavior um and if we spend our whole life correcting them sometimes it's as easy as distraction is doing something to distract them from the behavior that they were doing um and get them onto something else yeah uh rather than 
saying, you know, go to your room or correct your disciplining firmly. Um, you could just say, no, we're not going to be doing that. So let's move over here and just do this um, and move it out of the situation that you're in to something else so that it's not a heated moment. Um, you go, okay, don't like that behaviour. We're going to go over here and we're going to play this game now. And then you move to that. And that can change it from what could be a blow up kind of scenario yeah. to just, okay, we don't want that. We're moving to this. Let's get on with that and um, change the mood. And so it just, it just kind of flips, flips something on its head mm. from what could be explosive to just distraction and moving it to a new scene and it may be turn, turning it to fun. Yeah. Um, and I think with little ones, they need a lot of fun. They need rolling on the ground. They need... And, and uh, I can't emphasise enough that the behaviours, especially with dad and mum, I have to say, rolling around <laughs> the ground, having play fights, knowing what the boundaries are, they can hurt mummy or hurt daddy. They'll learn those behaviours. We have a lot of pillow fights and yeah. a lot of rolling on the ground. Um, they, they are invaluable lessons. But coming back to your original comment about... Um, you know, sometimes you'd be too firm. You have to actually watch about what type of day you've had. Um, you know, whatever frustrations yeah. you've had, your family don't deserve to receive that. You know, your bad day, they didn't, they weren't the ones that were the bad clients or frustrating things that didn't go well. They're just doing life. <laughs> and so when you come home, you know, they don't deserve that. So I would encourage you just to find some time, maybe even just before you come into the driveway, that you just, you, or just decompress. Yeah. Um, find that, that time just to diffuse your day because when you come in, your kids are just going to run on you and uh, uh, they just going to, they want dad's attention. And this will be mums as well. So yeah. this is not just your, uh, your question, Sam. This yeah. is for everyone. And even mums having a bad day at home. Mums are <laughs> having a bad day. Your kids yeah. don't deserve your frustrations to be taken out with your verbs or your actions or your attitude. And so find that little bit of decompression. But then when you come home, you're fully there and, and not back on your phone or on your computer. You give them some undivided attention. You'll have to do those things maybe later on. But giving that that attention because that's all they want. They just want to. They just want to love. They want your attention and love. And one of the things, just a little bonus for everyone, is when our boys were little, whether Kate was coming home from work or I came home from work, they would always run out to me or to or to Kate, and we wouldn't um, reject them. But I would always say something like, uh, "Before I kiss you, boys, I'm going to kiss your mother." my wife and they go ooh yeah <laughs> I, I i made that a, an important aspect that i would actually be saying hey mum comes first and then you again you're you're sending a subliminal message that they are not the center of the universe you're actually saying hey your mum or your dad is the most important i'm not i'm not i'm not saying rejecting that. you yep. I'm sending a message loud and clear and that might be a hug, a cuddle, and it may even be just a few five minutes. Hey, before I give you, I, we go out and play or read you a book or you can tell me a story, I just want to speak to mummy for a few moments just to hear what's going on. And they could be in the room and listening to that, but it was just that, that saying, we are vitally important and that can be part of your 
decompression as well. Let the conversation not be a whining time about how the kids were at home in front of them. That's not <laughs> ideal. That's yeah. going to set up a very bad precedent. Um, but one of the things that I love to do, you know, when things were taking a bit of a turn, because they can take a turn, um, I would say, you know what, I'm putting on some music and we can either dance or sing or do whatever, but it's going to be loud and we're just going to, you know, let's change. Be silly. Yeah, be silly. Let's change the mood of what's going on because I don't like it. And so I would just say things like, well, I, I don't like what's going on, so I'm putting on some praise and worship and everybody get into it or don't. Feel free to go to your room, but I'm going. And, um, and it would be loud and it would be fun and I would have a good time and they could either get on board or they'd go, look at her, she's nuts, you know. And so in the end, everyone would be dancing or mucking around. And so it just changes the atmosphere in your home um, because there are times which, you know, you do have a heavy day. Yeah. And we you, all have those days. We, what we try and do, even now, um, my sons might ring me on the way home and we'll talk through a day um, that's been pretty ordinary. And um, by the time they get home, it, that's settled and done and they're able to move on then with the rest of the night. Yeah. And so it's, it's just working out ways to decompress, to sort through feelings um, prior to getting home, knowing that there are little people and a, a spouse of, <laughs> um, at home who doesn't really deserve to get the raw end of the deal. And probably um, another little thing is sometimes we have our blind spots we don't realise, and that's yeah. when we have to listen to our spouse, that when yeah. they say something, you say, yeah. you, you came across a little harsh. Don't be defensive. Don't Receive do it, it in front of the kids, though. Yeah, just, just come along and say, yeah, I just I had a bad day. That might be... The, and, and a little bit of self-care is never to be underestimated. We all need a little bit of me time, and, and mums need that, and dads need that. Even if it's for 15 minutes or half an hour, going for a walk, listening to some worship music or doing something for yourself, you become a better you, whatever role that is as a husband, as a, as a mother, as a father, as a husband, whatever it is, um, if you care for oneself. Because often you can give so much attention to everyone else yeah. and you neglect yourself and it's going to catch up with you sometime or another. And I think that that's a good discussion to have, actually. So if... If one spouse is, you know, stressed out, we'll just say stressed out, um, whether it's work or whether it's the kids or whatever it is, have a plan. <laughs> have a plan and then just say to whoever it is who's coming home, if the person who's coming home is stressed out, give a little bit of grace and say, you know what, I'm gonna, why don't you take 15 minutes, grab a coffee, go to your room or go for a quick walk. Um, and if you want to do that, and when you get back, then we can swap. And hmm. I will do the same thing. You know, the person who's been at home with the kids all day, just say, then can we swap? And then we will catch up a little bit later. But I get that you need some time yeah. just Showing to, grace is yeah, really we, important. It is showing grace for what the person's going through. Um, if it's an ongoing issue, then there may need to be a plan put in place. Yeah, you may need to speak yeah. to somebody because if it becomes the normal... This is your normal behaviours. And this is for everyone. It have is, to be very aware that we have to be aware of our dealing in, in a healthy way, our yeah. emotions and yeah. our frustrations and our anger. 
Um, there, there this is everyone. This is everyone. Everyone's us. dealing with this because we're, we're, we've all got stresses in our lives, and so we all have to be careful that we're not um, making life unpleasant yeah. for those around us. We've got um, another question that's come through and um, we might have to just land on this one in the time we have remaining, but we're more than happy if we, if, if people would like to have further information on any issues, yeah. um, they can always email us uh, at response at families.org.au. That's our generic one, or they can send us an email and somewhere along the line at Focus on the Family Australia, you'll find us. Um, by all means, do that. Uh, someone was asking about birth order, and this is <laughs> in <laughs> yeah. three minutes we've got to do discuss birth order. Um, one of the things that yeah. uh, there's a science behind it, and it it's is. still developing. And uh, there is there is some generalised aspects of firstborn, secondborn, third, and fourth, and they are very real. But there are only generalisations. Not everyone fits into that same box. But one thing that I would say, especially if you've got three children, is don't call the middle child a the middle, middle child. child. We had three children. We would say first, second, and third. Because every family that we knew, including our own, um, the child that was in the middle, who was called the middle child, always had this complex. I don't fit, or I was adopted, or I was, you know, it was just this real rejection type, I don't fit anywhere. And so we decided that we were not going to do that. And so it was always, any everybody had their place, first, second, and third. And that was their birth order. Yeah. And so, but they were all important. Everybody had an important place in that family, yeah. Yeah. Um, in our family. And so we, look, I used to, to be honest, I used to poo-hoo the birth order scenario. I'd go, our kids do not fit that birth order thing. Now that I look back and I go, you, can mm, see you know what? <laughs> the firstborn, responsible, mature, uh, leadership, academic, you know, it goes on. And I go, you know what? He actually fits textbook into yeah. that first birth, you know, birth order scenario. And so I'm, I'm reading it more now. I've gone back and to look over it. And there are elements that are quite accurate and it's worth having a read. There's some um, great articles. Because we don't want to put... From Focus on the Family, yeah. but other articles that I'd encourage you just to glean a little bit and, yeah. and take it, put it through your own filter. Does it fit? Maybe not. But Don't uh, box them. But um, the question was sort of saying, should their children read about these things? And depending on the age of the, the child... Um, you don't want to feed the beast if it's not really there. And, and if they don't think there's a, a, a problem, then don't make one. Yeah. But there are some aspects that you could learn from as a parent to make sure that you don't dwell upon the, um, the birth order. Because we always say you're treating your child uniquely. Yeah. Um, they all come out of the same pod, ideally. And, uh, and, they all come hardwired with their, their temperament and, and their personality. That's all hardwired. You parent them uniquely. Mm. Same principles apply. Same but rules. Same rules, but you might uh, do Got it differently. We remember different, one right? of our children, all you have to do is, that's all. That's all. You never say anything. <laughs> no, I think I heard you say something on the radio about it. Yeah. And how it... I say lots of things. <laughs> How it makes us as adults um, even behave differently um, 
kind of in our wider family context. I think it was you anyway. It it, it possibly Um, me. Uh, I've done about three or 400 um, of those family (laughs) minutes. So it's difficult to remember in my... And and just understanding even other families and um, how they operate and that sometimes some of that stuff can be... I don't know. I just wonder if it was helpful. Yeah, no, it's it's so true. And I think we've got... We've actually got an article about birth order on how it affects your marriage. And uh, so that's a very interesting way of looking at it. So have a look on our website and look up birth order. But there's a lot of variety of other other helpful Christian articles that you might be able to find that unpack this a little bit more and how it affects um, relationships and and family dynamics. Now, I know we're going to finish on that, but I just had a a bit of a thought. Um, You know how we talk about languages of love and for our spouses, you know, we work out the language of love, of how to show them love, how they receive love. Um, One of my sons actually just brought up the other day, what is our language of love for forgiveness, our language of forgiveness. You can go on and look that up. And I found that absolutely spot on. How do we want people to um, show or ask for forgiveness? Or seek for an apology. Or seek an apology. And I thought it was absolutely extraordinary because the same goes for our children. So when we apologise to our children or our children need to apologise to others, do they understand how to do that? Because there's quite a specific um, way to do it because someone can apologise to me. If they just say, I'm sorry, um, I just go, well, what for? I did that, that to me doesn't mean anything. <clears throat> but we worked out that someone who said, you know, I recognise that when I said this, so it's somebody owning it there. <coughs> she's just dying at the moment <coughs> and uh, she's got a fur ball and uh, she's been licking her fur too much and that's the reason why she's doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, I don't have the coronavirus. <laughs> um but, yeah, just really important that those languages of love and even how to say sorry to somebody, um, like your child. And we need to say sorry to our children if we do things that are wrong because we are role modelling to our children how to say we're sorry. And the number of times that we do things where we have to say we're sorry, and one of them is being angry or cross. Um, sorry I raised my voice. Sorry, you know... We need to own it. So and they learn admitting to that own you're, it. When you make a mistake yeah. is a really uh, it's another a, it's important thing. Because if you humility. can actually, you, you can say, hey, daddy raised his voice. I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done that. They're going to realise that, hey, daddy makes a mistake. Okay, I can make a mistake, but I'm going to own it like daddy owned it. Yeah. That's just a, a life lesson right there. They're teachable moments. So then you can say later on, you know how when I sit, you know, I owned that I raised my voice. Okay, well, you just raised your voice at your brother. And, and that's not okay. So, you know, you really need to own that as well. Um, and so you're teaching them how to. Um, so our time is finished at 9.30. We did, we, I want to remind you tomorrow, we're going to be talking about puberty with uh, Dr. Patricia Rirakun. And so, uh, and then next week, we're going to be talking about, uh, talking to your kids about sex. So they're available. And, and if, you're wanting, if you're wanting to do it, uh, 
It's not for free, but we actually are hosting a marriage conference on Tuesday evenings and maybe Tuesday nights aren't convenient. You can actually still register and then we'll send you the links for um, <coughs> our um, seminar and it's over five weeks. We did one last awesome. night and um, we've got about 70 couples from all over Australia tuning in. It's been wonderful. And um, if that's something that you would like to do, we we'll encourage you to invest in your relationship and do it at a convenient it's time. $50. That you, and um, we'd love to be able to offer that to yeah. you just um, because you'll become a better parent if you work on this relationship yeah. and because your kids like it when they see mum and dad are in love. It's yeah. the most secure thing. Even the yucky love stuff, they love it. Awesome, guys. Well, um, I, I think we should... And, well, I was just going to ask that. I was going to ask two things. One, if you could pray for all of us. And two, how can we be praying for you? Uh, and that's, I'll finish that off by praying for you guys after you pray. So how can we be praying okay. for you? Um, for us that's... to be praying would be uh, just managing our time. We've got lots of balls in the air. Uh, tomorrow, we're doing a, a seminar. On Friday morning, we're doing three radio interviews. Next week, we're going to do three other seminars and more radio interviews. And it's just juggling all of that yeah. as a result of that i'm finding that my sleep is being interrupted at about three or Me four o'clock in the morning my mind's ticking over so i'm finding sleep is a um a, a valuable commodity that i need to have a bit more of because i'm just so busy and um and just being good stewards with our opportunities that we have there are a lot of hurting people and i'm taking phone calls and emails from people with all a variety of complex situations yeah. in their families, just the wisdom to be able to prayerfully and pastorally care for them and give them the right resources, dealing with mental health, domestic violence, pornography, um, you name it, we're dealing with it. And so yeah. just wisdom to know how to do that and be in a, in a God honoring way. Yeah. Um, but let me pray for you <coughs> as uh, parents. Yeah. Father, I thank you so much for each and every one that's here today. I thank you for their, their, willingness to learn and be better informed about their role and the responsibilities of being parents. I pray for godly wisdom and insight yeah. and patience and persistency that is required to be the best parent they possibly can be and to navigate some of the complex issues that their children are going to face. Father God, I pray for insight and knowledge mm. on parenting every child uniquely and how fearfully, wonderfully made every child is. And Father, there are going to be some ups and downs in life and we know that. Lord, pray that you grant them a sense of your comfort and wisdom to know how to navigate that in a really powerful and, and, a, and a way that honours you mm. in every aspect. Lord, yes. I pray that they continue to love you and role model how much they love you in the way that they love their children. And yes. Father, I thank you for each and every one of them to give them uh, a household of faith mm. that will not only just be a, a children will um, see mum and dad in love, but they will fall more in love with you themselves yes. and have a lasting, loving, lifelong relationship with you. Yeah. We pray a blessing upon everyone here in Jesus' most wonderful name. Amen. 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 Lord Jesus, thank you for Brent and Kate and their willingness to just spend time with us in a very busy schedule. Uh, pray for them as they seek your wisdom, as they minister to many others through the radio programs, through the seminars that they run, that you give them uh, your power and your strength uh, to do the work that you've called them to do. Pray as well, Lord, uh, that uh, each night as they go to bed, 
that you would help them to rest in knowing that you've got these things in heart hand and in their mind. And also, Lord, in those moments, if they wake up in the middle of the morning, that you give them peace uh, to get them the rest that they need to serve you. Uh, protect them from the evil one, his works in effect in every, in every way. Uh, guide them, Lord, and watch over them as your children. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. So thanks for coming, guys. Yes. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I'll give like a Zoom hand clap, clapping for these guys. That'd be really good. <laughs> oh. Thanks. That. Thanks. We we counted a real privilege, and um, we we hopefully it's been worthwhile for each and every one of you. And if yeah. we can be of any other service, don't hesitate to contact us. We're here to serve you. Thanks. Well, thanks everyone. Thanks for joining us tonight. God bless. God bless. Thanks. Bye. See you.